and a mouse keep running, running, and 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 running, running, Everybody and welcome back to the Weird Science Marvel Comics Podcast, episode 285. 285 it is, 285 for you playing at home. And my name's Jim, and I believe that I'm going to be all by my lonesome for this here podcast tonight uh, because me and Clay did not have any books that we talk about and also Brandone, and he recorded some things and they didn't quite work out, which is something that's been happening lately with this software that I use to record online that I want to punch it offline is what I'm going to do. I'm going to punch it, and I'm going to punch it hard. That's what I'm going to do. Take that. Cash me outside there, software. I'm so angry, but we're here to talk books, and I'm not angry about that. I'm pretty positive, and we had a bunch of good ones this week that we'll be focusing on. But before we do that, let me tell you where you can find us. I would probably be at the rec center right now with all of my fellow kids. Right? Fellow kids. Oh, my fellow kids, me and them uh, shooting hoops and uh, going with the stick and the, the hoop is what they do. Maybe we'll do some jacks and shoot some marbles. I don't know. But you can go to Twitter at WS Marvel Comics and follow us. And I'll follow you right back and we can talk about Marvel Comics. We can talk about life, love, liberty. I don't know. Whatever you want. Also go to our website, WeirdScienceMarvelComics.com, where I had personally done a bunch of reviews this week. I haven't done a lot of reviews myself in a while. And I did some and I felt pretty good about it. It was kind of get that Marvel rust off for that, right? That's what I did. And, uh, yeah, and also go to the Patreon. I'm like, yeah, I don't know what else to say about that. Uh, go over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash weirdscience, where you can help us by supporting this here podcast, the three podcasts on the Marvel feed, also our DC Comics podcast and our manga comics podcast. And I'll just let you know that if you are listening to this and haven't listened to our DC Comics podcast, you can look that up. Just look up Weird Science DC Comics, you'll find it. And also look up our manga show, and it is Weird Science Manga Podcast. That makes sense. That's kind of a, you know, branding type deal there. I didn't say brand. It's freaking St. Patrick's Day as I'm recording this. So who knows what the heck Brandon's doing now, where he has ended up losing himself. I end up doing the manga show just as an aside little commercial here with my man Luke Hollywood. He's from Leak Slip, Ireland. He is definitely smashed. I've talked to him a little tonight. He's done. He is gone. But even with that, he is a Irishman on St. Patrick's Day, and I, no doubt he's drinking Long Island iced teas. Doesn't even make sense. Hello. What is he doing? I don't understand. I have no idea. The wolf man. He's not the wolf man. He's an Irishman. He should be drinking whiskey and things like that, right? I don't even know what's in a Long Island iced tea. <laughs> I just thought you ended up drinking iced tea, walking down and seeing that pizza rat going down into the subway or something. I have no idea. It is late and I am tired. So I hope that this will be a, a fun show to listen to. 
maybe even to record. It usually isn't. People who end up doing podcasts, if they say to me, man, I love recording podcasts. You're not trying hard enough then. It's not fun, right? It's not. It's a job. But yeah, it's a job that if you love what you do, it isn't really work. My mom told me. So I said to her, well, this feels like a lot of work there. And shut up, Bob. I don't talk to you. I don't like you. And boom goes the dynamite. I told you it's going to be a wacky one tonight. But with all of that serious note, uh, I like some of these books this week. I'm starting to get a little more positive. I don't know if it's just I'm getting old or, you know, I'm I'm losing it. I, I have no idea, but I'm starting to like a lot of stuff from Marvel and DC. It's a golden age. It is. But we're going to go off and we're going to start with a book that has it's it's a quiet issue. It's a cool down issue. And this book ends up having a bunch of these. It is Captain Marvel. And Kelly Thompson seems to love to have these little cool down issues. We had one recently where you ended up having, you know, ladies night with the board games, gals night in at one point. You had Kamala Khan show up with the board games, things like that. Well, this one is kind of like that as well. But they go out and they head out to help Carol. She's down in the dumps. They're throwing her a pity party, and it ends up sexy. So we're going to see what that is all about right now. And this is Captain Marvel number 27, written by Kelly Thompson, art by David Lopez, colors by Triona Farrell, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. It's Mistakes Were Made. It's what it's called. And in the middle of a mission, Captain Marvel was magicked away to the apocalyptic world of the year 2052, where the child of Namor and the Enchantress ruled with an iron fist. Carol defeated Ove and his mother, that is the child of Namor and Enchantress that we just talked about, but she is haunted by all those she could not save. And one she could. After fighting alongside his future daughter, Carol broke up with Rhodey, a.k.a. War Machine, even though she's still in love with him. Now back in her own time and newly single, Kara is dealing with the emotional trauma that comes with seeing the end of the world, watching her friends die and losing a loved one she thought would last forever. And yes, she is there with her emotional trauma. She's single, not wanting to mingle, all these things going on, and she's not answering her phone. She is down in the dump. She's not leaving her bed. She's curled up basically like me every day. And you end up having Jess, Jessica Drew, calling on the secondary answering machine. And this is a trope that I always love. My mom is old. I mean, she's so old. How old is she? I don't know, like 90. But with that, she always ends up calling my cell phone. And she still thinks it's got a machine hooked up to it. And she starts yelling, can you hear me? Pick up. I'm like, this this is voicemail. Get it right. Um, but with this, you get that trip. It's a little forced. Why would why would Carol still have that old answer machine on a landline? And then with that, once you have Jess starting to call and you have Carol not answering her cell phone, why wouldn't she have just then switched over to the landline so that she could yell? But it's a funny, funny trope. Like I said, it's kind of a gag. Carol's not paying attention to that either as, you know, Jess, come on, pick up the phone, come on. And so you end up having Jess as full-out Spider-Woman just come crashing through the window and says she's worried about Carol. Carol, you got to get out. We got to do some things. Let's go. Carol's like, no, no, no. I'm sitting this one out. I don't really feel like it. I, you know, I'm not exactly fully out depressed, but yeah, I'm kind of depressed. Well, 
you end up having just say, well, would the idea of cat snakes that end up shooting acid in Central Park, would, would that get your blood boiling? You want to go do that? And Carol's like, you know what? That sounds pretty cool. And you go off to fight these monstrosities of animals. And I, I know that people will end up writing in and talking about these things. They are just they're an affront to everything that is good. They are called snats, though. Snats, they are. That means snakes and cats combined. Now, what Jess didn't tell Carol was that the acid comes out their butts and it does kind of smell like cabbage and cat pee. Now, with that, again, we are at St. Patrick's Day. And every time that I would make my St. Patrick's Day meal, I would always include cabbage. It's kind of a neck and neck race of what smells worse, cat pee or cabbage. I'm not allowed to cook it in our house. Uh, My wife will not allow it. So I cook it on the porch. I did one time. I actually had a slow cooker where I was making ham and cabbage and I had to run an extension cord and have it on our porch because my wife will vomit if she smells cabbage. But she could probably sit in a room with cat pee. She loves her cats. If they pee on things, she has all the excuses in the world for them. But no cabbage. Well, you end up having Carol and Jess fighting these snats and Carol likes it. She is enjoying it. And it's one of those things that's keeping her mind off of all the troubles that she has. Ends up knocking them back into a portal. They go away. But she's got the taste for it now. So the next bunch of days, and you end up having almost like a clip show montage deal Thursday, Friday. So each one she is fighting something different and getting more and more angry. And so with that, you end up having Friday. And Jess comes flying through the window again And I'm like, did she fix the window by then? Because I guess And she crashes it again And Carol's like, what are you doing? It's it's late, I gotta go to bed No, it's 7 o'clock And uh, you're coming out with the gals And that's the big deal We're gonna have a gals night out Because now Jess is concerned Because all Carol does is go out and punch things So they're gonna go out And it, it's under the guise that they're gonna go hang out Maybe go to a bar, do a little dance and and stuff, you know, fun stuff. But what they are actually doing is trying to get Carol back on the market and they take her off to some speed dating. And I have seen the, what is it, like the 90 Day Fiance or one of those shows my wife watches. And and anytime you have that, that speed dating never goes well. And and this doesn't go well either. But there are a bunch of other gals that are going to join. And you got to have a smile on your face when you end up seeing Hazmat. Also, Monica Rambeau, a.k.a. Spectrum. But the best is Lori L., the accuser and Carol's half-sister. And I really enjoyed Lori L. a lot. That was one of my favorite things that came out of that awful, awful Empire deal. So when I saw her show up, I was pretty excited. And again, I never really said at the beginning, I do like Kelly Thompson. I know that people run hot and cold with her. And a lot of people avoid this Captain Marvel book. I don't. I like it. I like it. It's not my favorite book out there, but it usually has a little something for me to not hate the book and and just enjoy it for what it is and go with it. And that's kind of how this issue is as they then go out. And you see that Jennifer Hazmat, she doesn't have to use her containment helmet because she is doing meditation. That always helps. And she is able to, you know, not 
have her powers go wonky and stuff like that. So that's really cool. And you end up having L'Oreal use the hammer, the accuser's hammer there, to give her, you know, some going out clothes. Well, they go to this bar. It's a wine bar, fancy things. I don't know what that is. Usually wine bar to me means that I go to the bar and just whine about how bad my life is. The wine bar it is. But you end up where this whole speed dating's not going well. She ends up talking to one guy who is just a real, real jerk. Like, man, you're hot, lady. You look like a superhero. Then the next guy's like this geeky nerd guy who actually is a professional online troll. And and Carol's really they they have online trolls. His name's Herb. Hey, Herb. Yeah, and she yeah, because I'm better at that. She's like, okay, next. And then you end up getting a guy that just comes in, Randy, and he's just like, I'm gonna pump you up. Right, he's gonna end up doing all that. Like, you, you remember that? I'm gonna pump you, you up. How dare you? Ah, uh, how dare you! But they get attacked. They get attacked by the snats again. So you end up with the monstrosity cat snakes. Carol goes out and fighting with Jess. All this stuff, and she's having fun again. Like, oh my god, I like this fighting. This is great. You end up where they let her kind of take out her aggressions and all of the upsetness on the snats, while the rest. Of the gals just watch And then afterwards you end up having Carol go and say You screwed up here Jess Why did you trick me into the speed Dating and ends up finding out Through L'Oreal who doesn't know The subtleties of, of lying Or keeping her mouth shut oh yeah I got this this message to come to the Pity party for Carol So Carol is upset and like I don't need you to look after me, handle me, all these things. But Jess is just doing it because she loves Carol. And Carol knows that overall. Well, then after the snats are taken care of, old Herb, the professional troll, he comes out and wants to make sure that Jess has his number. And when she, Carol turns around to say something to Herb, looks back, and you see Jess clawing up the, the building, climbing up to the top. She ditched it. So Carol's kind of depressed. She heads over to Hell's Kitchen in what legitimately is called Hell's Dive Bar, goes in, and she's just drinking, you know, or not even drinking because she's really not supposed to. And so she's there kind of like deciding. And she's got the, the glass, she's got a bottle, these sort of things. And in walks Dr. Strange, Steve. Steve, I say. And he comes in and says, hey, what are you doing? You know, hey, let me pour you a drink. Carol says, well, I'm not really gonna drink i'm not supposed to drink stuff like that and dr strange's like well let me turn it into seltzer water and it's a nice thing and basically what steven is saying is what you have carol thinking herself about she just wants to kind of get away a little she wants to you know and they end up having a really nice conversation they end up finding out that they have a lot more in common than they would have thought and they're having a great time and then they smooch you end up where, and it, it does look like Carol starts it out, too. She goes in, and, and I'm telling you, Stephen Strange, I mean, he's a sexy fella, right? He's good with his hands. And he ends up, they're making out, and then you end up having Carol wake up the next day in the Sanctum Sanctorum. And they are in bed together. You end up having Carol and Stephen there. The, the doctor was in last night, is what they say. Yeah. And you end up, Carol, oh, my God, this is just one mistake. And Dr. Strange's like, well, kind of three. 
Like, oh, three. Oh, my God. Maybe it was temporary madness. They both look at each other when they both say that. And then they start making out again. So it looks like they may be a bit of an item. And I think that that's pretty cool. I think that it's a good match as well. And it's the next issue is Do You Believe in Magic? I don't think it's going to work out quite well in the end. But for now, they they need somebody. And and don't we all want to find that in life? And so, yeah, I liked it. The art got a little wonky at points. I did like the art overall. But the faces of Carol ended up being a little extreme at points and kind of changing uh, throughout. So that was a little up, but only a little. Uh, But everything else was fine. It's a cool down issue, though. Now, it ends big and sexy, but this isn't something that's going to blow your mind. If you are reading this book, this is right on par with basically what you would like about this run, where a lot of it is Kelly Thompson not really writing Captain uh, Captain Captain Marvel as much But really writing Carol And this does that You get Jess in there Besties and all that You get the fight stats And so it's it's a fun issue It's a nice issue Still only going to go 7-5 I'm not going to go you know over the top Over the moon for this Because it isn't a real important issue I guess if you want to say You know Captain Marvel and Doctor Strange Starting to you know knock boots and then maybe date that might be something, right? I don't know, but with that, I'm gonna go seven dreams. five, and I'm gonna move on to the next book, which is a, another issue that may not be the greatest issue, but I enjoyed it all the same. All right, and this is Amazing Spider-Man: King and Black, number one, written by Jeb McKay, pencils by Michelle Bandini, inks by Michelle Bandini and Elisabetta D'Amico, colors by Eric. Arcianega, Peter Parker, the amazing Spider-Man first encountered symbiotes when he unknowingly brought one back to Earth after a secret war on a foreign planet named Battleworld. Soon Peter realized the danger of this alien symbiote that was posing as his costume and separated from it. Eddie Brock bonded with the symbiote next and together they became Venom. As Null arrived, Venom, once one of Spider-Man's greatest foes, now an ally, seemed to be the planet's only hope until he was dropped from the Empire State Building to his death, a death that took yeah, about 20 pages, right? <laughs> if you remember that, that was a long fall from the Empire State Building. This is a decent enough issue. It's not great. Like I said, it, it, I'll tell you right now, it's about a 7.5 for me, maybe a 7.8. We'll see how I feel at the end. But it's not bad. It's fun. You end up having a team up, a, a very you know odd team up and an unexpected team up where you end up having Peter teaming up with Reptile. And that ends up setting up a reptile deal coming up in May. It's a little far from now to be, you know, worrying about that. But in this whole King and Black deal, it's funny, too, because I haven't been reading every single tie-in. I've been reading most of them, but I haven't been reading The Union, The Namor one, stuff like that. And this week, it really pointed out the idea that Null and the symbiotes do not react well to light. Now, it's light and electricity in this one, and you almost need to have, you know, a cheat sheet or or a little, you know, code book or something when you get to these tie-ins because everyone ends up giving you different rules. It's something that I've complained about since the beginning of Key and Black. Some of the books end up going with the tried and true sound and fire. But that was pretty much said that those don't work with these symbiotes. And like I said, this week it really came hard and heavy about the light. 
And it makes so much sense. I wish that this would have been stressed a lot sooner, especially in the big main King and Black book, because that explains why Null ended up putting the symbiote cocoon around the Earth. It's not just to trap people in or cause a nuclear winter that doesn't seem to happen. It's actually to block out the light. I think that that's real important. And in this, you end up using the light and more the electricity. And that was something, say, we saw in Daredevil, where you ended up having Matt in jail, get the symbiote on him, he fights off Null in his mind, and then ends up electrocuting himself on the electric chair and getting the symbiote out of him. So at least this one's following most of the rules. I I still look back at the deal with the Prowler slash Hornet in that Planet of Symbiotes deal, Hobie, who ended up using a bunch of iPhones to save people from symbiotes. That was nonsense. That was complete nonsense. So you end up having this, but you start off with a very guilt-ridden Peter. Peter is looking at New York City. It's a wreck. He ends up with a bunch of people are down and out. Eddie's dead as far as he knows here. Dylan is in trouble, all this, and he blames himself. He blames himself for bringing the symbiote to Earth. And, I mean, really, he is kind of responsible. So he should blame himself. Now, what I like about this and what you haven't seen a lot of in this whole deal, because when you end up having the King and Black stuff, you do have Peter trying to protect Dylan a bit, even though, again, Eddie said, keep Dylan in the bunker, don't get him out. And then, you know, and Peter, hey, come on out, Dylan. Let's go outside. But with that, this is a bit of a a deal that gives you that peter is a street level character he is he's not somebody who can fight say symbiotic celestials that that's thor stuff that's captain marvel stuff that that's the event he is more a street level guy and it does come out and play out very well with reptile coming and going with the kind of Hey, I'm like you, Spider-Man. I'm street level, and I'm just going to save people that need saving during this because I'm not going to put a dent in the celestial. I'm not going to be able to go up to a god like Null and, and fight mano y mano with them. So while the big guns do that, we'll you know, go and help people. And what you end up doing is you see that it looks like a symbiote dragon has grabbed an old lady. And flying her away. Peter sees this, puts on the mask, because through all this, and the mask is a wreck anyway. Uh, but he puts it on and goes and takes down this supposed null symbiote dragon. It isn't. It's reptile in a pterodactyl form. And I just want to tell Peter, he's got to open his eyes, because first off, it doesn't look anything like any of the symbiote dragons, even though when you go through all the books, they all look different in them. Some look better, some look worse, but... This just looks like a pterodactyl wearing tight, skinny jeans and a BMX shirt or something. And he wallops him. And luckily, this lady, this old lady, when they fall, Peter catches with the classic, like, web hammock. And then it's Reptile going, Spider-Man, it's me. It's Reptile. And he's like, oh, man, I I thought you were at that, you know, West Coast Academy deal. And he's like, that, you know, the Avengers Academy? That that closed years ago, Peter. You got to get up with things. I mean, really, what's going on? And uh, he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I I knew that." And he's like, "So why are you here?" And you end up up till say, "It's all your fault, Spider Man." Now, before, like you said, 
you ended up having Peter very guilt-ridden and blaming himself for all of this and blaming himself for a lot of people being hurt and killed and stuff like that. So he hears Reptile, it's my fault you're here. He almost gets down in the dumps again, having an anxiety attack even. And Reptile's like, yeah, you taught me that you should go and try to save people. Yeah, we can't. And it ends up pointing, and you end up seeing the symbiote celestials in the background. I can't fight them, but I can go and save people and that's what you do i want to be like you so how about it let's team up and take this woman home this woman mrs volkoff now i would love to say that she's nikolai volkoff's mother but it's spelled different but i'm still gonna say it and and what i think is is that reptile and spider-man are taking her home so that she can hang out with nikolai and also the iron sheik because they were a great Great tag team back in the day, right? That's what they're going to do. They're going to hang out. She's probably, you know, their manager. But she doesn't have a a signal. She doesn't know where to go. She can't get home. So they are going to take her home. And Peter's like, okay, we'll go. So where is this? Where is her home? And it's Staten Island. It's kind of a funny joke that I don't think a lot of people that at least haven't been to New York City or live on the East Coast or whatnot would get. But, yeah, New York's big. And Staten Island is way far away. And this reminds me of a time personally, actually, where I was spending time in New York with, I was in a band while I was in college and we ended up playing in New York. And at one point we ended up, this guy needed a ride. And so we're like, okay, where do you want to go? And we were heading what he was going oh, it's, it's It gets hairy there because it's big. And you don't think when you don't live in New York city, you end up thinking, oh, well, yeah, I'll give you a ride. And the next thing you're, you're driving for like three hours. Uh, so you end up where Mrs. Volkoff, she lives in Staten Island. They have to go over water to get there. Peter's going to have to hitch a ride on Reptile, goes back to his pterodactyl form. And Mrs. Volkoff's pretty cool because she is a Daily Bugle fan. She is a threats and menace type Spider-Man person. She thinks that he's a menace. Because she has been indoctrinated with all of J. Jonah Jameson's propaganda. Now, you should end up there where she should start watching actually threats and menaces. Now, where you have Peter and J. Jonah teaming up with their online social media nonsense that we had last week. I don't think that Mrs. Volkoff goes online too much. She she looks like she's a little too old for that right i I mean i know that i'm you know putting a stereotype on old people but still and she ends up like crossing her arms not talking to spider-man like okay well we'll go so they're trying to figure out what to do they have to end up fighting some symbiote dragons to get to at least the water to get to staten island but it gets worse they end up and, and peter ends up you go ahead i'll fight these he ends up doing a pretty decent job then hitches the ride a la the green day song Onto the back of Reptile. They're going over the water, but they can't figure out where to go because there's no lights on Staten Island. It seems as if Staten Island has gone dark, but they end up seeing a ferry and the ferry has a big bright light coming from it. It's almost like a floating, you know, lighthouse here going on. But when they get close enough, they end up seeing that there's a huge symbiote dragon. Now, with that is the symbiote dragging attacking this because it doesn't like the light or is it not because they don't like light uh so what exactly is it doing trying to put out the light i can try to make that work but you end up where reptiles like i i don't know what to do here 
this dragon's really big and I can only turn into a pterodactyl. That's the biggest of my you know, dinosaur changing powers of flying dinosaurs. And I, if I turn into a T-Rex, and again, I didn't even say reptile ends up turning into dinosaurs. It's a pretty cool idea. It's something that I think really would tickle my fancy when I was about eight or nine, when I wanted to be an archaeologist. And I thought that I wanted to be the next Indiana Jones. The problem is I ended up being just Quaker Town Jim and did crap because my dad told me that archaeology would not be the thing that I would be good at. But he put it in the terms of, you stupid idiot, you'd never do that and fail. And thank you, Dad. I ended up saying, thank you for ruining my hopes and dreams. You jerk. But end up where you have reptile. I I can only be a pterodactyl. And Peter says, no, 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 there's other dinosaurs. And I kind of, again, this pulled me back a little because if I was a kid, who can turn into dinosaurs. And it seemingly is that if you know the dinosaur, you can turn into it. You know, it it seems like a weird power. Like you can't just say, I want to be a water dinosaur. And then you spin the wheel of fortune. You come up. It seems as if you have to name it. It's almost like Shazam, but you yell the dinosaur name, but that's not really what happens. But still, it seems weird. Like it's a very odd power. But if I had that power, Damn right, I'd have the Encyclopedia Britannica out. I'd just have, I'd be researching every single dinosaur that you could ever know. And why doesn't he understand? Because Peter's like, I have an idea. And then just tells him that the biggest dinosaurs are the ones in the water. It's true. And that is able to then let Reptile turn into this master. I don't even know what it is. It's like something from the sci fi channel. I mean, seriously. And it ends up being able to fight this giant symbiote. While Peter then lands with Mrs. Volkoff, he takes her. They land on this ferry and they're trying to figure out, you know, what they can do. And it's a cool thing where very quick, Jeb McKay makes you really love Mrs. Volkoff because she ends up there and here's all these people throwing shade at Spider-Man because they want Thor. They want Captain Marvel. They want Iron Man. They want some of the big hitters, not Spider-Man. What can you do, Spider-Man? What are you going to do to save us? And he end up, Mrs. Volkov says, hey, you shut your mouth. Now, she ends up speaking like Nikolai Volkov. And so it is pretty cool where she's like, you listen to me. This Spider-Man hero, he's not menace like I thought. And also says that polite, you know, dinosaur boy, he nice. So they, she ends up throwing shade at them and they shut their mouths where Peter ends up going down with the captain there and they end up connecting the generator that they have on the ship to a giant harpoon, which I don't know. I guess this ferry was out trying to get freaking Moby Dick. I mean, this thing is huge, but they end up going so it'll be electrified and they go and Peter jumps out or Spider-Man jumps out as you have reptile fighting the symbiote dragon and ends up running the spear into the symbiote dragon's uh, tongue. And then they end up electrocuting. Now we're going to go a little bit against some of the rules that we've seen on say like the thunderbolts. And, and this is the problem. I don't know which book to follow for the rules. I would love to say that I'll follow the main King and black issues, but even that got a little wonky at points. But at points, we have seen that even destroying a symbiote, you do not want the goo to touch you. If it touches you, you will turn. But you end up where 
Peter blows up. Everybody's getting hit with it, and it's just like disgusting goo. Spider-Man has it all over himself. I mean, he needs a bath big time. Uh, But, yeah, you end up where you kind of get not really a lot of tension with the idea of, oh, my God, did Reptile survive? He did. He comes flying down. And as a smart woman that Mrs. Volkoff is, she says, I'm not going to go with you guys. I'll take the ferry back to Staten Island. I think that's a little safer. All right. Thank you, though. You guys, you, you did a great job. And you even have, you know, Reptile, he's got little cuts and stuff on him. But it's like one of those, like, man, this was awesome. Thanks for teaming up with me, Spider-Man. And Reptile saying, you you really ended up showing me some things, you teaching me to be a hero. And then Spidey's like, you know what? Pretty cool. You know, we can hang. Anytime you want to hang, we can do this. That's awesome. And it ends. And that was good. Now there is a backup. And the backup, it's just like a little too much. I, I already had enough. And it could just say right here, hey, check out Reptile in this issue coming in May. And I'd be like, okay, I'm good. I, I actually like the character. I like the power set, even though I don't quite understand really how it works. But again, turning into a dinosaur, different that, that's pretty awesome. It really is. It, it really makes me like these are the sort of things that when you read comics and you want to kind of grasp that feeling of being a kid again, seeing a kid who can turn into dinosaurs does that for me. It's so cool. And I want him now turn into a stegosaurus and ride my butt downtown we'll have a parade and i'll start waving to people they'll throw candy at me i don't know why and i'll eat it i know why i'll eat it but still but you have this little backup that just gives you a little more information about reptile but it's done in a way that is so odd like he's he's texting and then he starts talking to himself he's like yep you know i was trapped in that artificial world where a psycho was the next best thing to god and i fought to the death and then i was taken over by it's it's too much without really giving you the idea of what is really being talked about you kind of just like words and things thrown at you about reptile that i would guess if they are that important when we get to that one shot later we'll end up finding that out anyway I just wish that, you know, you kind of didn't need this. Just have Peter and Reptile give a high five. You know, I don't need to know when he was in Murder World and stuff. Though there is a little kind of a nice scene where you end up where Reptile and Peter are there sitting in the convenience store that's kind of been wrecked. And they're drinking a bottle of water each. They're hydrating. And Peter's like, hey. Reptile, you, you got some money to pay for these? They're like, nope, left my wallet in Staten Island, I think, or back in Nevada. It's where he's from, which I did learn that. So I'll tell you, I did learn something. And you end up where Reptile, don't you have money? He's like, you're the one with the pockets. I'm here in the spandex. Where do you think I'm going to put it? My butt crack. And so he's like, yep, another Spidey IOU it is. And that, that made me giggle, actually. And then, yeah, you just have a couple of these panels where it's, you know, Reptile is a pterodactyl flying with Peter swinging next to him. And, hey, here we are. We're going to kick some butt together. And then at the very end, you do see next Reptile number one on sale May 26th. So uh, that's two months or so away. I don't know that I'm going to quite remember this fully so this information that has been given about yeah, when i was on murder world and when i ended up getting an asgardian hammer and all that i'm not gonna remember that can't remember things two days after I, i'm the one who says them and i don't remember it so with that i will though 
remember the good times, the feelings, the feels I had. And I, I had a smile on my face. I thought that this was well done by Jeb McKay. I thought that this team up, very unexpected, actually worked for me. And I had a kick out of it. So the heck with it. I was going to go 7-5. I'm going up. I'm going to go up to an 8. I'm going to go all the way up half a point to get an 8 there because, yeah, I liked it. And when I did this, I recorded this before with Brandon, and it ended up messing up and whatnot. Brandon wasn't as hip on it, but he still didn't hate it. But at the end, he's like, yeah, that reptile number one, I'm not going to deal with it. I want to deal with it. I want to I want to read it. I don't think that it's going to be very popular. I don't think that a lot of people are going to be as excited I think as I am to read it, but I kind of I kind of want to dig into that deal, reptile. So there you go. That's why I like having the podcast cuz it does end up making me read some things that I normally wouldn't. And this one I may have just passed by if I was just sitting there and like, "Oh my, you got to read this Spider-Man reptile time. reptile. Who the hell is that?" But I liked it. So 8 out of 10, I'm going to move on to the next book, which, again, this week is a lot of pleasant surprises, some unexpected joy for me. And it doesn't happen much. I'm a miserable man. But I'm going to go to the next one. And I think that if you have been listening to the podcast, you might be shocked at what this book is. And this is Champions number 5, written by Eve L. Ewing. Art by Bob Quinn, colors by Federico Blee, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. After a disastrous battle involving the champions at Cole's Academic, Kamala's Law went into effect, and underage superheroes were declared illegal. The government-sponsored task force Cradle has been enforcing the ban, arresting defiant young heroes, and sending them to sinister reform schools, quote-unquote. When Cradle trips corner Miss Marvel, Nova, Spider-Man, and Ironheart, they were rescued by their former teammate Cyclops. After briefly taking refuge with Cyclops and the Marauders, they decided it was time to go back home and fight for what they believed in. Meanwhile, Viv Vision has secretly been supplying Cradle with information about her former teammates. She's doing it out of love, though. When a new friend helped Viv face her guilt, she set out to make things right. And that's Amadeus Cho. So you end up with this being the last issue of Eve Ewing. We're going to carry on with more of the story, but you end up having a villain to go after. And I said, this whole outlawed thing I thought was a bunch of nonsense from the beginning. I think that having a teenage civil war was just not very well thought out. Now in the back, you end up having, you know, a letter to fans saying, yeah, things did get a little wonky because of the shutdown and things like that. But I didn't like the whole premise from the get go. And then with that, You ended up just having it being very black and white, just having the bad guys being these overwhelming bad things that you never really got anything of a gray area from. You did a little in the Miss Marvel issue when you ended up having Dum Dum Dugan just basically say, I've had enough of this. This isn't right. I'm leaving. But with this main champions book, you just end up we're fighting them. Let's go take down the powers that be. We're going to. And yeah, you have these reform centers these re-education centers and everything is bad but like i said there was nothing to really you know grab onto and say okay we have to stop them you ended up having a senator going and then here you see he was kind of duped as well and it shouldn't be any big surprise that it ends up being roxon that is behind all of this 
but in a weird way, they're really against Alana, the girl from the beginning at Cole's Academic that was giving the speech that was going to, you know, have how dare yous and I should be back in school and you stole my dreams. You know, I like doing the sing song there with there. It was like in harmony. Uh, But yeah, the whole thing is this girl, she's causing us problems. Roxanne is having, and also the champions, they're always a thorn in our side. So it ends up trying to be big and not hitting. But then in this issue, when it kind of gets put to the smaller deal, it actually is not a bad ending. And I did like it. Now I could be, you know, snarky and sassy and say, I like it because it is ending, but I'm not going to say that because again, you end up having a little bit of a backup at the end of this, where Danny lore comes in and gives you a little sneak peek of what their run is going to be like. And that looks like some fun as well. And that's really what I want from a champion's book. I have talked about this before. I have tried and tried to get into the champion's deal. When you ended up having Jim Zub redo and have a new number one, I'm like, okay, let's go. And I jump in. I'm like, I don't know what the hell's going on. Everybody's talking about things. I'm all confused. And then I was told, well, you got to go read 20 other issues of Jim Zub's last run. I'm like, well, that, that run got canceled well why are we now having a new number one where i got to go back and read that cancel bit if it was that good it wouldn't have been canceled and this isn't a true number one i don't understand how this thing works and then that started a little battle i had with jim's up but still with all of that you end up having then this run just with this outlawed stuff that just made me miserable so i'm hoping hoping with with all my heart that when we get danny lore now continuing we will end up having some fun with this because I love the characters. Almost all these characters are characters I do love. Now, back to the idea. I'm getting angry when I did like this issue because you go and you see the Cradle Reeducation Center. You see Snow Garden, Starling, and Wasp. We've seen them there before. They're not having a great time. And even when they're just talking at the beginning, you end up having you know the surveillance steal and this voice from beyond like, girls, you better stop or we're going to come and put the restraints on. So. Things are dismal. I'd like to say it's a hard knock life, and I wish they started singing right then and there. It'd be awesome, but they end up being saved by Amadeus, Cho, Braun, and Viv. They end up going there. They break in. Viv's doing a lot of the heavy lifting of breaking in and whatnot. And it is pretty funny when they break in, they run in, and they pass a mirror. And you know, Amadeus has got to check his hair, right? He's got to check that hair. And so they go in there trying to get everybody out, but also want to figure out, okay, can we get some evidence? Can we get some things that will end up implicating whoever, again, the powers that be are? And when they go in, it's as easy as Viv sitting down at a computer, looking at the surveillance to see where their friends are located, where they are, you know, detained, and then looks over on the wall and Roxanne just has a big placard. Now, that's not very smart, Roxanne. You don't need to brand everything in pretty much a re-education center for kids. That might not be the best thing to do. But again, I'm not going to say that Roxanne are dumb. I will say they have no shame in their game. And they seem to do this all the time. They are the worst, but they end up never being checked. We have had since Fresh Start, Fresh Start, that they have just done awful, awful things. They always come out smelling clean. And they always just get away with it. Uh, but that makes them a pretty good villain, right? So you end up where they see this. It's like, oh, my God, it's Roxanne. 
She seems surprised. I don't think anybody else is. But they end up then, you know, pretty much Viv and Amadeus go and they break in and break out all of their friends and others. And it is one of those things. The champions don't leave anything behind. And hey, everybody, if you're here, you want to be a champion? Let's go. Let's ride. And they end up going and you get to see some pretty cool spread page with a champion's charge. You have the characters going. Everybody's fighting guards and taking them down. It's a nice deal. It is nice to see the characters like Snowguard and Starling and Wasp being able to take it back because they have been pretty much, you know, used and abused when they have been in there. They've been treated like crap. So it's nice for them to be able to fight back because one of the things that end up where Viv did was end up knocking out the restraints so they can use their powers so they are able to show what they got. Show us what you got. Well, we go then to Chicago and we see Riri and Riri's there with her mom. Her mom's very worried about her with all this stuff going on. And then as they're talking, the closet door opens and all the rest of the champions fall out. Nova, you, you got Miss Marvel, you got all of them there. They come out and like, oh my God, What's going to happen here? Miles is there as well. They're all there and they're trying to figure out what they're going to do, what's going to happen, all these things going on as they come in. And the mom keeps trying to interrupt. Riri is there trying to, you know, hey, mom, it's not what you think. And hey, mom, we're good. And these people at Cradle, they're bad. And mom's like, Riri. And she keeps thinking that she's going to yell. You kind of know that the mom's going to be nice. And she ends up saying, listen, this is what you do. I understand. You you guys are all good. This is what you do. You're good at it. Go and do your thing. And they do go off the Ironheart headquarters and set up the cam. And they're going to announce that pretty much we are going to take it to the streets. we got to stop this cradle. Please, everybody join with us. Now, it's kind of like a call to arms here. But while they're doing it, it seems as if cradle's banging down the door. But it's not cradle. It's their friends. It's the rest of the champions who come in and have that info to implicate Roxxon, at least to be able to say, hey, everybody, it's Roxxon. They're doing it because they want to shut down Alana and this whole, you know, movement of the eco stuff. How dare you? And also they kind of caused the disaster at Coles. That's not nice. I mean, Roxxon ends up trying to pretty much hurt kids. And nobody's going to go with that unless you're really, really a jerk. I don't think anybody listening is that much of a jerk. I hope not. If you are, actually stop listening. Uh, That'd be a good thing. But you end up where Viv then comes clean, where they're like, oh, my God, Viv, you're alive. Oh, my God, what's going on? And they're going to track us. And And she's like, yeah, about that. Yeah, they, they couldn't track you. I was selling you out the whole time. What? Why were you doing that? Because I wanted to protect you, I got scared the whole, you know, Cole's disaster. It, it scared me, and I thought that maybe you guys might die, and I couldn't live with that, all this stuff, and it's nice. And she just says, you know, we have info. Amadeus has the zip drive. He gives the au contraire, because they're like, oh, my God, nobody's ever going to believe us. Nobody's going to believe that it's Roxanne. Nobody's going to believe the deal. And Amadeus says, we have this. We can upload the stuff. You end up seeing all the surveillance in that detention center you see people cracking skulls of little girls that's not nice and Roxanne is part of it well the big part and I kind of like this you have Senator Patrick who was the senator who was big on passing Kamala's law 
he sees this footage and legitimately says, what the heck is this? I was not told this. Now, you can say that maybe he is implicit just because the idea he didn't really check things out. But I guess going out of this, you end up having e-viewing want to center more on Roxanne. So this Senator Patrick, he ends up like, shut these things down. Shut them down immediately. I would never be involved with this. So he kind of comes out, you know, a little better overall with this. But you have people who have seen the footage and they end up outside of his office. They're yelling with megaphones, repeal the law, repeal the law. And they end up, you know, going in and taking it into the building and into the office. The Roxon people show up and tell the center, hey, you better stop it right now. You're part of this too. Senator Patrick says, no, no, no. You violated what is good. You did this. And they're like, you know, shut your mouth. They, they end up, you deal with Roxon. You know what you're getting into. So stop it. Well, that's when the champions show up and tell these Roxon guys that they're after them and they're going to take them. Now, with this, I don't know how people will feel about this, but it it cringed a little here because you do end up having these people pretty much take the building and go in and it, it kind of rubbed me a little tin. Now, they're there for the right reasons, but one person's right reasons is another person's wrong. And so seeing them take this building, it did make me cringe a little it's only a little bit, though. You end up having a standoff with the, you know, the champions in between and also Senator Patrick telling his guys, you stand down, we'll, we'll work this out. And they do end up working it out. They end up having a press conference outside, impromptu press conference. I don't know where these microphones just show up out of nowhere. And they end up explaining themselves, explaining that they want to have Kamala's law taken away. Senator Patrick's agreed to end his contract with Roxanne and disband the re-education centers. Everything's going to go. Cradle's being rolled back. And by the way, we are the champions and we will always be. And they end up, you know, cheering. You end up having Nova step up. There will always be champions and everybody's cheering. So it's a nice ending. Like I said, this, this issue actually is what I wish the whole event was. I, I felt better about what they were doing, and they, they all come together as a team, all this stuff going on. So there was some nice moments. And like I said, you end up ending then almost like the Spider-Man King and Black deal with Reptile. You end up with this two-page deal of a little sneak peek at Danny Lore, who is taking over the book with issue number six, and Luciano Vecchio on art. And you end up having a the Roxanne people they have some interns you don't see you're seeing it from the point of view of whatever characters they are there so you end up seeing the secretary come our way you know and hey we want you to meet you know the big cheese and this lady's like oh my god you interns are great come on in oh you're the best we're going to change those clothes because they're nonsense but hey pleased to have you on board and then you pull the camera around you see that it is nova and spider-man so it is a uh, miles there and Nova, and that's pretty cool. That and and the art, I I love Luciano Vecchio's art. I'm worried that it is a little too cartoony, maybe for the full deal of the full champions when you get it. But I do like it, so I'm hoping that it does work out with that. And it, it's just cool. And so I was like, this is a pretty cool start, a uh, little sneak peek deal. So we'll see how it goes, but. 
With that, I gave this an 8 out of 10, and I am looking forward to seeing how this goes. All right, now I'm going to end with Thor. Thor number 13. Lucky number 13. I'm starting to lose some oomph here. So we're going to end with Thor. And I've really, really been enjoying this whole Prey arc, the Donald Blake story. Uh, This is the penultimate issue, part five of six, written by Donnie Cates, art by Nick Klein, colors by Matt Wilson, letters and designed by VC's Joe Sabino. And you have Thor is the God of Thunder and the All-Father of Asgard. Searching for answers to recent troubles, Thor attempted to trade places with his old alter ego, Donald Blake. He just wanted to have a little staycation down there below. But Blake was gone insane, sticking people into lawnmowers and now seeks revenge on Odin and all those that touch by Odin's power. He trapped Thor in a hidden dimension beneath the roots of the world tree and sent the rest of Asgard's forces to Dimension Blood. So he got rid of the people who could probably do something about what he's doing as, again, he goes to say to people, did did Odin touch you? Because if he did, I'm going to get you. Throg, the Frog of Thunder, and the teleporting dog Lockjaw took a stand against Blake, only to land defeated at the feet of the new Valkyrie, Jane Foster. Blake broke into Doctor Strange's Sanctum Sanctorum and learned the source of Odin's power, the World Tree itself. With the blood of the World Tree now spilled and Thor still trapped, Valkyrie tracks down the last person available to help Odin himself. But she finds him drowning his sorrows at an intergalactic bar. How the mighty have fallen and how has odin fallen so low he has friends in low places he does and he explains how things have gotten bad pretty much you know freya has been yelling at him for years that's what it seems he's like yeah my wife's a real nag she was yelling at me but it's it's a lot of his doing and i think it's one of those things where a lot of us have problems with you know our spouses now and again but boy if, if you're around for that long and also, I think that she might have heard word that, you know, Thor found out that the Phoenix Force is Thor's mom. I think that she's a little pissed off about this. And maybe they'll go on Mori to see who is the mommy. But with that all, you end up where, you know, you end up Odin is just sitting there getting yelled at constantly with his hands and his head there. And so he ends up where this just led to him giving his power over to Thor, a lot of it, and starting to drink. And that's where Jane ended up showing up last issue. And she says, stop your drinking, you old man, and let's go. you got to fix what you messed up. And they end up fighting. And with that, Jane Foster has no right to actually stand this toe-to-toe with Odin. But Odin's like, I'm not what I used to be. And plus, he's probably drunk. And so she's like, what happened? Why are you so weak? Now, that also gives you the idea. Jane is kick-ass. She's a badass. She went against Odin thinking to herself that this might not come out uh, with me on the bright side of things. But she's able to just wallop him. He's not fighting back. Now, he says he's not so strong. Holy moly, if you're reading this along with me or you have read it, uh, go back and look at the guns. The gun show is in town. I mean, seriously, he is stacked. I wish I was this weak. But he's like, yeah, you know, Thor, I gave him my power, whatnot. And you end up where you end up, Jane's like, you got to help. You know, Thor's in trouble. And he's like, Thor, he can handle himself, whatnot. And Jane's like, no, 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 you don't understand. This, This problem I'm talking about isn't with Thor as the main deal. It's Donald Blake. He's out. 
He is killing people. Asgard has been ripped apart. Dimension blood, all this. And Thor is trapped underneath the world tree as all this happens. And once you have Odin here that he's like, let's, let's go. I'll get my armor. He goes off again. Gun City. Well, you then go into Dimension Blood where you have Beta Ray Bill who doesn't quite look himself during all of this because he got his power ripped out of him by Donald Blake. And he's, you know, inspecting some of that Dimension Blood weaponry. He says this is pretty good stuff. It's not Stormbreaker, but man, I need something this can do. And as that's happening, a portal ends up opening up. Even the, before that, he has a really good line though because sif comes in and is like what are you doing why are you you know with these things we're in dimension blood we're screwed whatnot and ends up where what does this all mean what happens and yeah beta ray bill say we have to have faith you're a god you should know it means having faith and that's where a portal opens up and dr strange lockjaw throg and my man bats come out and they're pretty much gathering up the forces. We can get you out of here. We got to have this final battle. Before they end up going, you do have a point to, hey, what are those cosmic bears? Everybody loved the cosmic bears during the whole Galactus deal. Well, there they are. They're hanging. And then Loki shows up and says, hey, if you're going to go off and do some things, you're going to need my help. I'm with you. And it's the you know enemy of my enemy is our enemy, You know, common bond here. And they do go off to take care of of donald blake who is just grabbing out and ripping apart the world tree to get the world tree blood well you have throg show up hit him and donald blake's really throg you're the one who's come back to fight me that's a joke well then the portal opens up and everybody is coming out you know the main characters in the front but it it's all the asgardians all the people in dimension blood coming out to help and to attack donald blake now with that and you also see jane valkyrie so you know that odin is there somewhere well donald blake thinks this is a joke like all you i i already defeated most of you so this is just ridiculous well you end up where it's funny i think that what odin does is sneak up behind him and tap him on the shoulder hey hey what are you doing probably taps him on like the left shoulder while he's on the right side so he can mind freak him but he ends up then grabbing donald blake by the head and just slamming it into the ground and says, you know, hey, I'm not your father, ghost, but if it's punishment you're looking for, congratulations, your journey has come to an end. Looks badass, full page there. And with that, though, this is what Donald Blake's wanted. He's wanted to take his frustrations out on Odin, get the Odin. But all this stuff is what he has been trying to get all along. When he was down below in that, you know, space and whatnot, uh, he was yelling for Thor and Odin. And so with Odin there, he seems to be like, all right, this is cool. This is what I wanted. We're going to go toe to toe. I'm going to kill you and I'm going to kill you bad because you owe me a life. You ended up screwing me with this whole deal with what you made me do with Thor or for Thor. Now, Donald Blake, he's a doctor. He's a smart guy, but he's made a big mistake. And Odin points it out to him and says, hey, you're getting that blood from the world tree, right? Uh, You see it? It's kind of seeping down below, you know, going, you know, what's down below. You remember what you put? Oh, yeah, you put Thor down there. So what you're doing is kind of powering up all that and you might be in trouble. And we do go down to see Thor where he ends up powering up and he's able then to use the Thor power. 
he ends up saying, you want the Odin Force? You're not going to get that. But here, you want the Thor Force? I'll use it. And you can have it. And ends up hitting the tree and ends up sending up the you know, lightning and thunder to end up signaling to everyone where he is. Uh, And with that, you end up having his crows, his ravens being able to come down. Now they come down, they know where he is, but you can't go out. He still can't get out as himself there because you need to strike that staff. The whole thing with Donald Blake and him, somebody has to be up above, strike that staff that Donald Blake destroyed. And you know, so what are they going to do? Well, Thor has figured out that basically you, you're going to take my spirit and my soul. And the Ravens can do that. You know, the crow, they can do that. But the problem is they, he needs a vessel to to take it in then when he goes up. And Thor says, I got a little idea. Well, we go back up to Donald Blake, still talking trash to Odin. That's when he says, you owe me a life. Odin says no, and I'm telling you, if you expected this to be Odin saying, oh, my God, give me a hug, you know, I I understand why you're upset, because he should. I mean, this Donald Blake has been through a lot. It's Odin's fault that he was driven insane. Now, after that, I guess you can say that Donald Blake maybe should have stopped or whatever, but he was in a world that was supposed to reset every now and again. But because Thor never changed up with him, it wasn't resetting and it drove him. He he realized he was in the middle of the horrific version of the Truman show. You know, not even that. It was like Pleasantville, all that stuff where things just kept resetting and whatnot. So he ends up wanting a life. And Odin, for his part, like I said, he's the one with no shame. He's like Roxxon. He has no shame in his game. He says, no, no, no. I don't owe you a life. What I owe you is I'm going to unmake you. And I'm going to take you out of the book of Odin. And he ends up almost saying it, but he's interrupted from off panel where somebody says, Father, I believe I'll handle this now in a different word bubble, different look there. And so when you turn the page, you get the cliffhanger and we find out that what Thor meant by a vessel, he's in the destroyer's armor deal. So it's funny, too, because you started out this whole you know, Thor run with Donny Cates where it started out with Thor without an eye and had the destroyer arm because he had lost an arm. And that kind of just went away. And a lot of people said, well, I think that it's because of the power cosmic, the galactic. But at points that wasn't changing that. But then it seemed like Donny Cates just decided, eh, I don't like that. So let's just have him back. Well, now he has the whole destroyer body, which I thought was kind of cool and funny. And he just wallops Donald. Donald Blake gets hit when Thor shows up in the Destroyer Buddy. There, a whole page of him just getting tossed aside. And yeah, it ends up saying, you know, come and get it. There's a lot of trash talk in there. But Thor looks cool. He has in the Thor symbol there from the chest. It's in the World Tree blood. They're dripping around down to the crotch area. Oh, my goodness, this is sexy. But it's pretty cool. I like Nick Klein's art a lot. I'm a fanboy of his, uh, and I really am digging this whole deal. I saw people were down on this issue. It really shocks me that they were down uh, because a lot of them I saw liked all the other issues and just thought this was down. It is a setup issue. It's a penultimate issue. This is what happens when you end up the next issue is the finale of this arc. But, boy, I thought some really big things happened. I thought that it was some cool wow moments that, you know, made me still excited and really looking forward to that next issue. So I'm going to give this an 8.5, and I'm going to go off 
from here. And again, I end up, it's not my book of the week. And I will mention, I, I rarely ever, if ever, said a book of the week. We do that over on the DC side. I think I'll start doing that just so people know. And what I've read and all that, my book of the week is a shocker if you've been listening as well. It is the Black Knight Curse of the Ebony Blade. I thought that that was a really good issue. Cy Spurrier on it. It. I ended up hating, I'm telling you, I hated the King in Black Black Knight book. I thought that was garbage. And the idea where he was kind of there with Swordmaster and Arrow, it didn't have the oomph that I think it needed. And this whole deal with the Black Knight Curse of the Ebony Blade, you really feel bad. You feel bad for the Black Knight and you feel bad with what he has to do to become that. And you have some things going on. He's depressed, like all sorts of cool things. I thought it was a really, really good issue that really gives you like a lot of Dane, not just the Black Knight. And he's just so desperate to to join the Avengers and be accepted and things. And that is that was my book of the week. And again, if you want to hear us talk about that, you can go to the Patreon because that was picked by the badasses of the Get Fresh Crew. Beep boop. And they end up picking that. And the Captain America anniversary issue, which was where you have three real classic cap stories with different art with the artist doing a page a piece. And I really wanted to like it. I didn't like it as much. And I'm not going to say I didn't like the stories because they are classics and some of the best cap stories. But just that gimmick of having art on each page, it wasn't enough for me to recommend the book to anybody. And if you didn't read those stories and what you get is you get Meet Captain America and the riddle of the Red Skull from the Captain America comics number one. And then you get from Avengers number four, Cap joining the Avengers when they end up finding him in the water and bringing him back. Uh, If you haven't read those, maybe you might dig that, but I'd say go back to the classics and for the price of it, you can end up, you know, buying a month of the Marvel unlimited app. I would tell you to do that and just read a ton of stuff that whole month, but that's just me. Um, But again, if you want to hear me and Brandon talk about that cap issue and then me talking about the black Knight, go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash weird science and you get a bunch of other shows as well tons of marvel shows and stuff like that and all sorts of comic stuff and even manga the manga podcast i'll mention again but yeah go over to our twitter at ws marvel comics the ws stands for weird science also go to our website weird science what is it? WeirdScienceMarvelComics.com, i think it is i think that people listening probably know that better than me I usually say it, but I always fumble through everything. And then again, the Patreon, patreon.com slash weird science. Also check out our DC and our manga shows right now. The manga show is what's tickling my fancy. That's the new one. And it always gets me excited to start something new and try to rise in the ranks, right? Try to get up there in the searches. So go and check that out and rate and review all the podcasts that you listen from us and everyone else. I mean, everybody who does a podcast always wants to hear feedback because a lot of times it is like you're in a vacuum and you don't know if people are listening or enjoying it and it really does end up making me feel good got a comment on the Podbean for this podcast that really made me feel good so shout out to that and all of that stuff it makes people who do this stuff it makes it worth it when you know that people are enjoying it and get a kick out of what you're doing and I'm going to kick myself off right now because I'm tired 
It is 2 o'clock in the morning, 2 a.m. And with that, I may actually go see if the uh, Snyder cut of the Justice League movie is on the app already. I never watched the first Justice League movie. I never saw the Just Whedon cut. And in fact, I have not seen any Zack Snyder movies ever, including like Watchmen or even, you know, Menace. I haven't seen those. So I'm going to. Maybe watch that Justice League, see what all this hype is about. I'm not a movie guy. I can't pay attention enough. I really can't. I, I've talked about this. I don't really bring it up all the time, just all the time. Yeah, I, I can't pay attention. A four-hour movie, I can't pay attention to a 20-minute TV show. Though today I watched a bunch of Brady Bunch. Where's the OK Boomer sound effect? That's classic, though. That's timeless. But there you go. Thanks, everybody. It's weird, too. When I end up doing things, I'm watching the Brady Bunch. I'm like, huh. Who would want to listen to a Brady Bunch podcast? Everything I do, I'm like, huh, I'm making a ham and cheese sandwich. Who would like to listen to a ham and cheese sandwich podcast? I would. That'd be awesome. Um, today, I'm using Black Forest ham and a little Swiss cheese. Thank you. Uh, next week, I may throw in the cheddar. That's what I would say in the ham and cheese podcast. But thanks, everybody, for listening. I really do appreciate it. Check out all the things that we are, all that stuff. Have a nice week. And I'll talk to you in a couple days if you listen to our Star Wars podcast. I'll be back on Saturday for that. If not, Monday, I'll be back to the X-Men show. And then next Wednesday, we'll be back with the show again. Thanks. And I'll talk to you later.